so much of what I have in my life right now is because of wrestling, the work ethic, the discipline. I saw that you were you got to roll with Tim Welch and yeah. Shoot a show. I don't remember coming in contact with human fecal matter during a, <laughs> a match. You walk into an establishment, a party, whatever it is, with a group of wrestlers, dude. You have nothing to worry about. Like before my time with the Harvey Twisters. Those kids were... <laughs> I have a story about the Harvey Twisters, but keep going, okay. keep going. Like that was initially our, like our fear walking into it is like, how much of a piece of shit is this guy? Gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to Clash of Combat Podcast. Today, we're joined with YouTube legend and uh, past wrestler, Tommy G. How's it going? Life is good. It's good to be here in Parkside with you fellas. Absolutely. So t tell us a little bit. You've always lived here in Wisconsin, right? I know. I grew up in Illinois, across oh, the pond, right. and that was actually a big part of the rivalry is us Illinois guys, we thought we could take out the Wisconsin boys, but then we realized that Illinois guys are really good on their feet, typically, where the Wisconsin guys are usually better mat wrestlers, and then we learned sure. to combine the styles and you know, divide and conquer together. Okay. So how did you get your start into wrestling? Okay. So I was playing Little League Baseball, and there was a kid on my team named Reese Dizek, who had the biggest biceps on the team, and we were like, Reese, like... How did you, like, how do you have such big muscles? He's like, I'm a wrestler. And uh, I had no idea really what that was. I wasn't into WWE or anything, but I just didn't know what wrestling looked like. And we had a kids club called the Crystal Lake Wizards, which is actually one of the top 50 kids clubs in the country, like year over year. It's one of those, sure. it has like 200 kids out for the program. Um, so as a 10 year old, I signed up. And ever since then, I absolutely loved it. Interesting. Well, you're from Crystal Lake. Yeah. Yeah. That's where Drake is from. Do you know Drake Regenhart? Drake Regenhardt, that is quite the name, but no, I haven't got to meet him. <laughs> he's from Crystal Lake and he's on our team. So. The mean streets of Crystal Lake. Yes. He probably has a couple face tattoos, huh? <laughs> Dude, I've been seeing TikToks of Crystal Lake and it's like only in Crystal Lake, Illinois. And it's like an old guy riding a bike with like a th only a thong on. Shut up. Yeah. like in it's, the It must have changed since I've been there because when <laughs> yes. I was a child, I did not have to witness any old men in thongs <laughs> riding bikes. I swear to God, dude. I mean, he's got some weird stories though from Crystal Lake little weirder than usual. it was known yeah. as one of the better places to grow up in either illinois or america depending whoever makes these lists on these websites but it was a nice place to grow up okay interesting um speaking of drake we did a, he did have some stories about getting shit on in a wrestling match were you ever shit on in a <laughs> wrestling match i think i may have been close to shitting myself in a wrestling <laughs> match um, I remember like as a little kid getting so nervous before matches that like they'd send you back to the bullpen to get ready. And I, I would just be like a constant back and forth to the bathroom, just pissing. Even, I don't know, it was just my nerves were out of control when I first started wrestling. I used to love practice, but I hated competing because I would like want to throw up. I'd want to pee all the time. But to answer your question, I don't, I don't remember coming in contact with human fecal matter during a, a match. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude, the dude he was wrestling was wearing a white singlet at, oh, at state. At yeah. state, it was like the blood rounds at state. He pooped on him and then won the match. You gotta <laughs> talk to the high school about changing the school colors after that because you just yeah, you gotta you be just, able to hide the poop a little bit that better. Just, that just can't fly. You call the ath athletic director into a meeting the next day and you say, "Sir, look at this," and you gotta change it right away. I don't know who could let that happen, to be honest, but man. Yeah, definitely a lawsuit. Probably someone's going to get out of a job, but hopefully the poop fiasco <laughs> moves past it, you know? I guess. So what made you want to wrestle in college? Well, 
I just absolutely, I, I loved it. I, I love the sport. Like it's given me so much in my life. Like so much of what I have in my life right now is because of wrestling, the work ethic, the discipline. And so I love the idea of kind of, wrestlers kind of live like monks in a way, you know, like it, like the best wrestlers, at least like they're not partying during season. They're working out once or twice a day. You work out like an animal in the off season. It just really attracted me for some reason. Like I just, I love that year-round discipline and being in tip-top shape and also the confidence of like when you're I forget about how it was in college but when you walk into an establishment a party whatever it is with a group of wrestlers dude you have nothing to worry about Mm. and not that I ever I never fought I haven't fought somebody in a street since like eighth grade you know but like just that feeling of walking in somewhere and just knowing like to be completely comfortable that whatever goes down I'm surrounded by wrestlers right now and there's no way we're losing that's a good point. It just feels good. Do you these two wrestle? Keegan wrestled in high school. Miguel, no, but we're no. going to try and get it. Keegan's joined the jujitsu world, and um, we're going to get Miguel probably to join as well. Oh, nice. And that, yeah, that's what you're doing now a lot, too. I see that in your stories. You're purple belt? I'm purple belt in jujitsu, yeah. That's pretty. It's, wait, it's purple than black, right? Yeah, yeah. So purple, oh, wow. so so white, blue, purple, brown, black. Oh, brown, so I'm, black. I'm like, okay. I'm midway to the black belt. That, that I like that ranking system because there's nothing like that in wrestling. I've wondered about this. Do you think wrestling would grow or be better off, especially on the youth wrestling level, if there was a belt system? Yeah, hundred percent. It, it would. I feel like it would make more people want to wrestle because it's hmm. just like. I, don't know. I guess it's one nice. thing I've noticed, like there's definitely cultural differences between wrestling and jujitsu. In the wrestling world, if I know you're the baddest dude in the room, and I say I want to go live with you today, it's a mm-hmm. compliment. We go to battle, boom. In the jujitsu world, you cannot ask a black belt to roll with you, at least in the very Brazilian areas. Like, you gotta, yeah, it's rude. It's like a sign of disrespect. The black belt's supposed to ask you to roll. Um, The other difference I've noticed, like, when I first got into a jujitsu room, like, I had still had that wrestling dog in me. So, like, I'd be pacing around the room, like, kind of like during live, like, like going really hard, you know? Jujitsu's a lot more, um, it's not that you don't go hard, but it's more flow than wrestling Mm -hmm. is. In the rest of the room, if you beat the dog shit out of somebody all year and you don't let them score one point on you, coach is like, oh, yeah, good job. In jiu-jitsu, you don't really beat the tar out of people like that. Like, it's a different, it's a more, bro- I don't know, not more brotherly, but like, and I don't want to say. It's a nice way to compete in a it's sense. It's a nice there's, way there's, to there's compete. It's not that like uh, mean, just guys who are just going to beat the crap out of you. I mean. Yeah, it's weird because some of my my favorite people on planet Earth come from the jiu-jitsu gym. So it's like, it's not as much of a competing thing. Like in, if, if you're at 149 and there's three other guys in the restroom at 149, your goal is to absolutely annihilate all of those guys. So they know like, oh, you better either go up a weight class or go down, but you're not touching 149. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is a lot more smooth. And uh, I guess not everyone there is to compete there mm-hmm. as well. Like I think in wrestling, if you're a college wrestler, you're essentially, I would say a brown or black belt level wrestler. Like you're the, you're the elite and you're there to win a national title. You're there to win an individual title, team title. So I think just the mentality is different too. That makes sense. I saw that you were you got to roll with uh, Tim Welch and yeah. Sugar Show. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Sugar was his back was out of uh, like he, his mm. back was really messed up. So I didn't get to go with him that day. Although apparently his grappling is a lot better than people might give him credit for. And and he showed it. I mean he 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 beat Aljermaine Sterling, which is a world class wrestler. 
But uh, yeah, I went with Tim Welch. Very, I love those guys a lot. Um, Tim Welch is very inviting and fun and uh, very like easy to be around those guys. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, Tim Welch tapped me out. And they have some good guys in that room, dude. Like I would think. You, you don't know what you're walking into. Like when it's a smaller town jujitsu gym or fight gym, like. I've been there, like in a gym where it's Janesville, Wisconsin, where it's kind of like a ragtag group of kids. And like, even with no experience, you can go in and take everyone down mm. and do what you want. But like, this was a gym that was like, oh, these guys are definitely like, you can tell why Sean has a world-class abilities because his, his partners are really good too. How big is, because <clears throat> you, you were bigger than I thought you were going to be. And <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. You're tall. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm, especially for a wrestler, I feel like I have a weird body type. I have that more long and sure. lean. Like you always, you go up to the table before the match starts and you have like these <laughs> guys that are like, look like bulldogs that look like they can just pick you up and throw you. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, I think that's interesting to think about is like how different body types can win or lose. Like I knew really Jack guys, I'm like, okay, this guy's probably going to be gassing relatively quickly. Like I think, but in the first, first uh, period, he's probably going to be more powerful than I am. If he wants to lift, I'm not lifting him around, but he probably can lift me around kind of a thing. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's so weird because it's like I watched the video of you rolling with uh, Tim Welch and it was like, I don't think he has like a wrestling background, but it's so weird when you like see guys like with a jujitsu background controlling a guy with a wrestling background yeah. when it's like you're only in the wrestling world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the other thing is wrestling is, I still think it's the best base to go into MMA with. There's just like the work ethic, the toughness, the weight cutting ability. If I was building a world-class fight gym, I'd want to recruit wrestlers heavily. But there is stuff in the jujitsu world that you can't get away with. Like the way you shoot, if your head's outside, you can, there's so many chokes and dangerous positions that you can be in. Uh, Even a a normal takedown, like you don't want to get wrapped up in someone's legs. You don't want to get stuck in a guillotine or whatever it is. So wrestling is really valuable, but you have to really tailor it to fighting for it to work. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I want to dive into this concept because a lot of your videos, they're about like inner city, whether it be like the worst places to go or most violent and stuff. What would, do you think it would be a great idea if these kids would just join wrestling? Because they need to be involved in something bigger than you're that. You're on to something, and this is my pipe dream. My pipe dream is this, is to, like we were even talking about on the way here. So I'm, I'm going to get on a tangent and come sure. back to wrestling. Uh, Saudi Arabia pays uh, YouTube influencers to go to their country and film videos there. The, the, I heard from my, my contact that the bag there could be 100K to go film. Obviously, I don't want to take state-sponsored money, and I'm not trying to do a PR piece. Oh, this is the best place in the world. But my thing was, you know what? If I'm going to make a trip to Afghanistan to film with the Taliban, I'll maybe stop in Saudi Arabia. I'll get 100K from the Saudis. I'm going to invest every penny. I won't take a penny. Every penny will go back into Milwaukee wrestling. And I want to create an ecosystem where Milwaukee has world-class wrestling. Because I do think you're right. I think a lot of these kids that are getting into trouble, they need a place to take all the energy out. They need a place that they can be disciplined. I think that's a, that's the thing a lot of hoods are missing. And even w- across the board, like what I see, the difference between successful people and not successful people, it's discipline. And that's why you always want to bet on a wrestler because whether it's a business situation, a job, whatever, they're going to go win because they know how to be disciplined and attack. But my pipe dream is how do I create a world-class wrestling ecosystem in Milwaukee and the craziest parts of it? And what what does it take? Like, okay, if a wrestling room takes 20 to 25K to be completely renovated, 
Do I just do that with every single high school in Milwaukee? And then do I have to get assistant coaches where we can get stipends and and then they start like if they graduate out of the high school and they're a stud, okay, I, I retain them as a coach and I we have to think about it as a stipend. Another big thing is transportation. A lot of these kids, mm-hmm. single mom households, mom has one or two jobs, she's at work, so she can't take them to practice. Just to get the kids in the room, do you need three or four vans per high school to get these kids involved? And then where how do we build it from the youth level where a seven-year-old can step in that room and then be on a good have a good coach? and a good room to be in from the time he's through high school. And if you can get a few hundred kids a year to go through this pipeline of becoming a really tough wrestler, like how does the city change mm-hmm. over time? That's, I think like if I'm thinking about a piece that is really important to me to work on, but it's going to take decades, one, two, de- you know, t- 10 or 20 years maybe to see the fruits of it. That's something that I'm really passionate about and, and thinking about. That's so cool that you have that vision in you because there's so many people that don't that would just see would not even mention that you would get a hundred grand and then just do whatever you want but I that I give you a lot of respect for having that vision that's great and I want to bring up this too because with the inner city you saw this in uh Illinois I don't know it was like before my time with the Harvey Twisters those was, kids were <laughs> I have a story about the Harvey Twisters but keep going okay keep going. Yeah, so the Harvey Twisters if you don't know I believe it's Chicago is if that where they're from, but in Illinois, Harvey Park District, I think it's right outside of Chicago or in Chicago. Sure, yeah. and they just like they had some guys that were ended up being the best in college at the time. So like, and and, and a lot a lot of the time, um, these people in, like the hoods, the hoods and the gangs, like these aren't the guys that are just scrolling on TikTok all day. Like they have the they like they have motivation, they have vision, they they got a direction to go. But you need to channel that into a different way. And I think if you can. That's something crazy. Dude, the Harvey Twisters, I, that was a team that was always like, if you if you, they were at a tournament, you were like, oh, shit. Like, hopefully that kid's not in my bracket, you know? But I remember hearing a story about them. I think it was for the team duels or uh, team state. They took second place, and they brought that trophy to the parking lot and stomped it and then just drove away. Like, that, they have a standard of excellence. And I think that's something that's really cool is like, because so many teams would be like, Ooh, yeah, we, we took second in this whole state, like they would be pumped about that. But for the Harvey Twister, it was like, nope, that's not hitting the standards. We want champs. And um, I do think like wrestling is a vehicle that you can put any kid from any background. And if you get them dedicated and excited about wrestling, they're going to change for the better. I, I think all of us in the room can say like wrestling absolutely changed our life for the better. And if we weren't wrestlers and didn't have what this sport gave to us, we would probably be in a much different place than we are now. Harvey Twisters is a crazy name to have and still be good at wrestling. An even crazier <laughs> uh, Illinois team that was big when I was a kid was these guys called Sons of Thunder. Have you ever heard of these guys? I think so, yeah. Dude, there were these white kids. I don't know if they were from, I think they were from a trailer park in like Granite City. Like these were kids, like 14 year olds with tattoos and they all had different singlets. Like they bought like the wildest singlet you could buy. They would buy, they didn't have a team uniform. And that was another team. Like, if you had a Sons of Thunder kid in your bracket, you were like, Mom, can you come pick me up? Like, I don't <laughs> think I feel good, you know? They just were they just very tough. And, like, their coach had, had, like, pink shoes. And, like, back when face tattoos weren't really around, I feel like now it's more normalized. Like, oh, it's just a guy with a face tattoo. But then it was like, holy shit, he's a youth wrestling coach with, like, neck tattoos. And, like, where are these kids coming from? So... Like, and that was the fun thing about the sport of wrestling is you would show up to a tournament and you'd have like the rich kids from Libertyville in the bracket. You have the kids from Sons of Thunder. You'd have the Harvey Twisters. You have the Joliet Cobras. Like 
it just, you got, I've always thought that fight gyms and uh, wrestling gyms are some of the most diverse places you ever mm. see. Cause it just, it brings people together under a common struggle. And um, I just, that's what I love about this sport too. The Dopa Band is a resistance band used for building muscle and improving athletic performance. The unique thing about it is that it's longer, stronger, and more elastic than any other resistance band. With Dopa, you can work on strength, endurance, technical skills, and muscle growth. Dopa can be used as a portable multi-trainer that you can carry with wherever you go to even the most beautiful places in the world. Join Dopamino and the world's number one resistance bands with the largest online training center. And a word about our service, full one-year warranty with quick delivery to your home. If you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. Back. So there is no more excuses. Join Dopamino today to change your workout routine forever. Absolutely. And anyone can do it. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be football. You don't have to be the biggest, baddest guy. Like you can be the smallest 125 or up to, you know, heavyweight and you're going to have, you can have success. Do you guys ever notice that the 125ers and the heavyweights usually hang out? Is that a dynamic on your guys' team? <laughs> no, 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 it is not. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. I 100% get what you're saying. It was, I don't know why, it was almost like, you know, um, like the whale shark, I think it's a whale shark, and like they always have like the fish yeah. that swim underneath yeah. it. It was kind of like that relationship in a way. I, at least it, I've noticed it more common than not, like the, the 125 or the heavyweight have a weird bond. That is true. Well, it's like the heavyweight can always eat the 25 snacks. You yeah. can't really fight back on them, so yeah. no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what made you choose Milwaukee? So when I was graduating from Whitewater, I had a few job opportunities, Madison and Milwaukee, and the best opportunity I had was out in Milwaukee. So I knew I wanted to stay in Wisconsin, and I wasn't about to pack up and go across the country. So I had an offer here, and then I just made it happen in Milwaukee. And I've grown to love the city, and I want to be... I don't see myself moving. I might move to the outskirts where it's safer. I have a baby boy on the way, and I, I live close enough to the nonsense where just like... I don't even want to think about like a random car crashing through and hitting the stroller. I don't know. I, I, I want to live in a safe area. And I think, and I want my kid to go to a school where academic performance seems to be valued and chased after. So, uh, but I'll be, so I might be on the outskirts of Milwaukee in the years to come, but I definitely want to give back to Milwaukee, invest in Milwaukee with both my energy and my money. So obviously you're not working a job right now. This is the job. Yeah. 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 How long did you work? Like that job in Milwaukee before being done? I had a corporate job. I was doing corporate sales. I was doing payroll software. So basically, if you're a, a business owner, you have a restaurant, and you have 10 people, you need to be paid weekly. I help you pay everybody and send the taxes to the right government agencies. So I, I sold payroll. And um, I worked that job for five years. And then I got hired by even more of a corporate company where I was supposed to be pitching Fortune 500 CEOs, which I really had no business doing. I kind of was, I don't know why they hired me, Um, but I eventually got fired from that job uh, in February of 2022. And ever since then, it's been total foot on the gas, YouTube, real estate, making things happen. You got fired? I got fired, yeah. (laughs) Did you do something bad? No, they could just tell my heart wasn't in it. It was a very friendly firing. It was more of a getting let go. Yeah. Uh, they were holding you back. <laughs> I guess. Like, But the thing is, I didn't have the cojones to jump ship and mm. I needed them to fire me. It yeah. was like the greatest. Most people, when they get fired, they're like, they don't, they're pacing around their room. They don't know what to do. They pick up a bottle of whiskey. When I got fired, it was like, thank God, dude. Thank God. Like, this is, this is what I needed. So it was, it was a good move. 
The best professional thing that's ever happened to me is getting fired. So after that though, and you wanted to go full in on YouTube, there was a while you were posting videos and you weren't seeing the success that you wanted Yeah, because you probably weren't making the funds in order to do that, but yeah. something just switched and then you just been go, go, go forever. And like, you're famous, famous. Like you're like, we were just talking before, like Krause's like, why does he want to talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's the man you're making moves. And, um, I think this is, this is the thing is it's amazing how much change can happen in a short amount of time. About a year ago, you hit 100K on YouTube before I did, I think. Yes, I did. Yeah, I yeah. did. And so, and when, what, do you remember when you hit 100K on YouTube? Yeah, it was Christmas Eve of, uh, I think, last year? The year before that. The year before that. So, like, the, and the, I think it's just exciting to see, like, what can happen when you dedicate yourself to a path? Like, I know, like, the, like the philosophers might say, like, the, the idea is to burn the boats. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to go take this island, we're going to conquer the island, and we're going to burn the boats so the men have nothing to retreat to. Basically, it's take the island or die. And I think, like, when you do that in your life, there's weird things that happen. Like, when, when you fully commit to the path that's scary to commit to, scary to make the jump, all of a sudden, doors start opening up things start lining up in a weird way. Like some of the situations we've gotten ourselves into where we can't even believe that this is in front of us right now, but it's almost like the universe is rewarding you for committing to the path. Like you just start seeing that. And I don't want to sound too woo woo or like I just hit a pipe before I came in here. But when you commit to the path, the universe typically rewards it. I I feel like. Mm, And you reap what you sow. So yes. Wow. That's interesting. I, there's so many YouTube questions I want to ask. Whatever. You. I'm an open book. We can talk about the wildest shit, whatever you guys want to talk yeah, about. Let, let me, can I, first off, I want to ask the wildest fan interaction. Because for me, every time I go to a wrestling tournament, you, I get recognized, but mm-hmm. I, not really in real life. You're more like a real life. Like if you go somewhere, someone will be like, hey, that's like Tommy G right there. What was your weirdest interaction? Man, let's see. Most of them are, are very positive. Like I get... I guess what's weird is getting stopped in traffic. Like I always ride through the hood to get to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And like yesterday, a guy pulls up, is like, hey, yo, you that guy from YouTube, right? And like, you never know how it's going to go. Like, uh, like one guy pulled up on me. I was on like 20th and Burleigh, which is in the thick of things. And they're like, you good? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what's going on, man? They're like, like, what you trying to do? Like, they were acting kind of aggressive to me at first. And then his pastor was like, oh, you that guy that interviewed Certified Trapper? And I'm like, and then as soon as they recognized me, it was like, oh, okay, what's up, man? How you doing? But I don't know if they were checking me, if they thought I was a police officer. Yeah. Weirdest. I mean, you get you get some, um, like, it's more so on Instagram or like, we had these weird lesbians out in uh, Arizona <laughs> that were like, and we never talked to a day in their life. And they're like, yeah, um, am I allowed to say anything on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah, um, we're cam models. You guys can come to our house and sleep there. And we'll, like, just giving us so much weird information. And it was just like, the male brain is just like, like, we're not used to females approaching you this openly. And like, so just, like, you just have to stay the course. Cause I think the metaphor is there's a lot of apples in the Garden of Eden that you can bite. Mm. And knowing that biting the apple is not always the best thing to do. So just like knowing how to like keep on the path and, you get people that act like, um, like I get this guy that keeps tagging me in weird shit on Instagram and I don't want to block him, but it's also just like, people are strange, I guess. There's yeah. some strange people out there. Yeah, that's for sure. What was your most dangerous interact, like when filming? Because I'm sure that's where you get the most craziest stuff. For sure. I would say there's two stories that have been the most dangerous situations we've been in. Number one, we were filming 
we were we were interviewing a guy named Hostage in Mexico, and he was telling us his story. And then we got raided by the Mexican police while we were interviewing. But his him. name was Hostage. His nickname, his oh. street name, his rapper name was Hostage. So just to go, and he was also on the run at the time. So like the day before, when we were in the other side of the border in Texas, we were just like, "Is this even a good idea? Like this guy's on the run. Should we even be talking to him? Like, because getting stuck in a Mexican jail has got to be on the top of the list of some of the scariest things we can ever do in life." So we're interviewing this guy hostage. Three Mexican police officers come in and a piece of la verga, get on the ground. And the Mexican guys go straight to the ground. Like they're flat, they're on their stomach. I was on my knees though. I was not about to like, I wanted to know what was going to happen to me. Like if they're going to take me out, I at least wanted to see what was happening. And it was one of those experiences where time just freezes. I don't know if a minute passed, 20 minutes passed, two seconds passed. It was just so surreal. And all these thoughts are flashing through your mind. Are these guys cartel? Are they good police, bad police? Is this a prank? Did someone set me up? What's going on? And they searched the house. They emptied. It was, I mean, the guy didn't even have a fridge in this house. Like this guy was living in a lot of poverty. And if he was a drug dealer, which I think he was a slight drug dealer, mm. it was nothing like you see in America. Like in, in Mexico, I didn't know this, but in Mexico, if you even have a joint in your pocket or a $10 worth of weed, the police will beat your ass. Actually, the police will beat your ass for a lot of reasons. Like, <laughs> we've had a lot of conversations in America about police brutality in the last few years, but I wish a lot of Americans would see what things are like in Mexico because that's where, it's like, oh, you're coming out of this bar and you want to cross the border back into Texas. Oh, there's a there's a a, a what's it uh, a fine or a um, a tax. Like they try to make up random taxes. We brought a camera in. Because after we got raided by the police, we went back the next day to that same town to interview the locals. And they tried telling us, oh, there's a camera tax. It's <laughs> Let me talk to my supervisor. I'm just like, get out of here with that nonsense. But you can't tell them that because uh, the alternative is getting beat up. Like the, I've heard Mexican guys, the, the, the police will take them to an ATM, empty it out. You have to just give them your money. And then Shut you're like, up. yeah. You said the police? The police. Like, <laughs> A, lo- a reason a lot of those guys have, like, they'll have really uh, tall fences with spikes on them is to keep the police from being able to just come into their house. And then they have a bunch of dogs. So that was number one, is getting raided by Mexican police. Number two is we were in Iowa interviewing a group of Crips. And they showed us, I guess for legal reasons, I'm going to keep it vague, but they showed us something unspeakable. They showed us a crime, an active unsolved crime on a Snapchat video, thinking we were going to like, I don't know if they thought we were going to say it was cool or what our reaction was going to be. And then simultaneously, another guy with like double pistols in his pocket or in his pants goes live on Instagram and is like, and starts dissing the ops that is connected to what we just saw on the Snapchat video. He's like, oh yeah, F this guy. By the way, Tommy G's out here with us. F this guy, F this guy. <laughs> and that is the prime recipe of how a drive-by happens. An, a guy that doesn't like them sees, oh, they're at this park that's an obviously distinguishable place. Bet, I'm three minutes away. I'm pulling up and... And so that was a moment where I had to kind of just... I didn't care if I looked soft to them, but I just instantly said... All right, guys, been good filming with you. We got to head out of here and just instantly went to the car because I wasn't going to wait around to see who saw that live video or not. Dude, that has to be a crazy way to live. <laughs> how, how do you have that, those balls on you, bro? 
I generally assume I see the good in people. And also, if someone is inviting us to their town, their city, it it's bad on their rep if something happens to us. So I think the biggest thing is taking precautions. And especially as the channel grows, it becomes more of a status symbol. Like, like the, before we went to the most dangerous city in America, St. Louis, people on their stories are like, oh yeah, I'm bringing Tommy G to the city. And like, you just don't know how many people are seeing, like you almost want to just go in there uh, incognito and then go out. And then like, I, I tell people, hey, any pictures we take, anything we do, just post them after we leave so that we don't have to worry. Because I don't know, were you beefing with someone last night or did you shoot up someone's house last night? And now your beef that I have no involvement in, all of a sudden I'm in the mix of it and mm-hmm. something happens to me because you did something stupid last night. So like those are the type of things that I have to start thinking about now. Jeez. And I mean, now you're saying like you have a kid on the way, you have a wife, like did, does, did, did that change anything for you to be, be like, maybe I shouldn't do something crazy, but yet again, you're going to go speak with the Taliban. So. Yeah. I just told my, I asked my wife before I left to come here. I'm like, we got to lead to go to Afghanistan, speak with the Taliban. I'm probably going to be gone for two weeks. What do you think? She said, go for it, but up the life insurance policy and don't do anything stupid. I was like, okay. I can do that. Well, behind every man is a powerful woman. Dude, she is the glue that holds everything together. Like, I have so much stability in my life because of my my wife. She's just the best. Like, I, I love her so much. And uh, it's just so nice that I can go out on these trips, do all this stuff. And then I come back to such a wonderful environment. And we get along so well. We laugh so much. We enjoy the little things. Like, my life on camera can look really wild. But when I'm not filming these videos, I'm walking my dog at 7 a.m. and I'm reading books, going to bed at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. And I have a pretty relaxed, enjoyable life. And she, she's such a big part of that. And I don't know, to connect this to the wrestling world, what I noticed is that on my team, a lot of the guys that were going to nationals, I think almost all of them had girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have noticed anything like that, but are the best kids on your team, do they have the stability of a woman or are they solo dolo lone rangers? Yeah, I would say probably they have a girlfriend. Yeah, that's like a whole great point. team, damn near. Yeah, for all the starters last year. Yeah. So, do you think there's something to it? No, yeah, I do. I definitely do. Other than if they're not just, you got you know ten girls on your roster, and of course you you know you're gonna be your emotional is gonna be in so many different places. So that makes complete sense. Yeah, and especially if you're trying to single-mindedly chase a really tough thing to do, like becoming a national champion, is one of the hardest things you can think about trying to do. I think having a good partner and a good woman that brings you stability and that just keeps you focused on the path. I think that that's the other thing when you're busy chasing tail and like a lot, of, that's where a lot of guys can get themselves into trouble. Cause then maybe they start partying too much during the season and they, you know, so having a, a, a right hand person or having that partner that keeps everything together, I think is really important for success. And I know I'm way better off in my life with my wife by my side than I would be single. Hmm. Interesting. Are you eventually going to do anything with well-known like UFC fighters or something? I would love to. We were supposed to do a day in the life of Sugar Sean O'Malley while we were there, but with his back. And also he's a guy that is at such a high level of celebrity status that I think he has to meet you. Like you you don't just show up and he invites you to his house and you're going to film. So I think like they invited us to lunch after we trained. And I think it was just to feel us out a little bit. Cause I'm, I'm sure like you come across a lot of maniacs as you, when the higher you get in the stratosphere there. And so I think he just said they had to confirm that we're not trying to use them or do it. Like, cause we didn't even, all the stuff that we filmed with them, I think we used 
like four seconds of the training or no, 30 seconds of the training was mixed into a, another video. So we didn't even put out a video yeah. being with them. Cause if I want to put out a video about sugar, I want it to be an A plus video where we get a lot done. And so uh, I'll be in touch with Tim. And I think my hope is we can link up and do something in Arizona and do more of a day in the life experience. But yes, uh, one of the problems we're running into as a channel is that it's harder to get people that are not criminals to agree to film with us. Like, mm. and that's, I don't want to block myself off from doing something. Like for instance, the Milwaukee mayor just got an email back today. They don't want to, they're not going to do a podcast and they made up cause he's busy, but I've seen him on other podcast channels. Obviously just, if it was a nice way of saying no, but I don't think some people will look at my brand and see the controversial videos I do. And it ultimately, it just rules me out of being able to film with them. Mm. So one of the things we actually had a meeting about before we came here was how can we get more ideas together of people that are really living good, productive, non-criminal lives on the channel. So we want to go to uh, Oregon and film with Cam- Cameron Haynes and do a mm. you know a day in the life with him. And we have all sorts of ideas that we would like to cover, but I know that we have to start putting that in the portfolio. Otherwise, we're going to go so off into criminal world that yeah, we're going to go back. Yeah. Which the channel will survive. I just want to do, I want to not have to get a gun pointed at me every time I do a video. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, the Taliban video might take you, take you a little. <laughs> I think the Taliban long. video will surprise you. From what I hear with these guys, they're a lot more chill than you would expect. And apparently Afghanistan is a lot safer now. Like all the wild shootings and bombings, it seems to be under control. Now, I'm saying this as a man that's going to be visiting Afghanistan. Mm. Is it a fun time for women or girls there? I don't think so. Like I, I think they've banned education for most women, which if you want to lift a place out of poverty, the number one thing you do is educate the women. So I don't know what their mm. strategy is there with that one. It doesn't seem like a good long-term economic play by the Taliban to limit the education of women. But I guess if... like the. A lot of them are, from what I understand, they're, they're, the young boys are going, they're, they're off in like the villages, they're off in like the mountains, and they go to these pretty radical schools that their version of Islam is a lot crazier than what maybe a, a more um, hip Muslim sure. might be. I mean, that they're, they're learning the extreme version, and then now they're ruling the country, so... Anyways, I'm a tangent guy. I'm sorry for going all over the place. We got to talk about Punch Made Dev. Let's talk about Punch Made Dev. Dude, Caden texted me randomly one day. He was like, dude, you have to watch this video. (laughs) (laughs) And like throughout the video, it's like, how is this dude not getting caught? Like you you keep saying like, he's just showing us what he would do. But it's like, he just walked into a bank and came out with what, like $10,000? I think Punch Made Dev is a very clever person. And I think... He's been close enough to a lot of that stuff that he knows how to position it. It's kind of like if you have a friend that sold some weed and you've been in the car a couple of times and see, oh, yep, he's weighing out the ounce right now. Like you can talk about it like you've done it or been there, or maybe he's done it previously. He definitely knows what he's talking about and he's very compelling and convincing. But I do think he's smart enough with his career that he knows not to commit wire fraud on camera. Because I even talked to my, my lawyer commented on that video. It has a few thousand likes. It's like, as a lawyer here, uh, I can assure you that if any of this is real or he's actually doing this, that within 30 days, the feds will have busted him. So I think, 
I think he's very clever at how he can show what he's doing. And I also am like really stupid when it comes to computers. So the perfect mix of me being kind of naive and him knowing how to position it, I think favors him very well. I would say so. I, so, you know, talking about him, I kind of want to ask this question before, but have you ever filmed with anyone or a group that when you're filming, you're like, wow, I really do not like this guy. Like, I don't like his intentions. I don't like maybe what they're doing because I, I can't see you being like, you know, filming with, with uh, you know, that punch made dev and being like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that was initially our, like our fear walking into it is like, how much of a piece of shit is this guy? Or same thing when we went to the fentanyl dealer in Chicago, like this guy must be a terrible person. And then it is weird because like the fentanyl dealer, yeah, I like this guy. Like I, I'll call him up and see how he's doing. And like, if he had other opportunities, like I asked him, like, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? He'd be like, he's like, I'd be doing what you'd be doing, honky. Except he didn't say honky, but he would be doing this. And so it's, I think it just, it's changed my perception of good and evil. Like I've met mm. pimps, I've met prostitutes. I met some pimps that I know are just terrible people. Like zero respect for them. Part of me feels for how they grew up. Like one of the pimps we met in, in California, his aunt was a prostitute and showed him how to pimp. Like, could you imagine being at a family outing and your own aunt is showing you that? So it's like, well, no wonder he's a pimp. Like, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is having, there's on one level, you got to have a, a certain level of empathy for where someone has come from, the environment they've grown up in, what's been their influences, what they've seen. And you start to piece together. Like, it's not, all, it's not a surprise why they are doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. but you also have to have standards and you have to have... Anybody you love, you have to hold to a standard. Like your your wife, you hold to a standard. Your uncle, you hold to a standard. Your friends, you hold to a standard. So if you actually love somebody, you don't just like let any behavior pass. So like it's balancing that weird line of like, I want to hear your story. I guess I'm not here to judge somebody. My, my role is to ask them enough questions that reveals their character and reveals their personality. And the comment section will be the ones that figure it out. Mm. And I've had videos where, the prostitute in the video, Baby, uh, uh, she goes by in Chicago, the comment section is overwhelmingly positive and cheering for her and encouraging her. Like, you you can do this, baby. Like, you can find another career. You, you like, And just hoping for the best for her. But then I've also had comment sections where, like, especially the gangsters out in Arizona come to mind. They were in a nice middle-class neighborhood, like 20 deep with guns. And it was just like, why are you guys doing this? Like, you guys look ridiculous right now. And so I'm not the judge my goal is to ask them enough tough questions and the audience can figure out for themselves who they think that person is. Mm, Do like people that. ever hate on you? I would say it's very slim. Um, like I've had a couple people hate on me for the t-shirt designs I put out were shitty. You're like, blah, 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 oh. blah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh. just, you know, like, um, but I would say overall, like the reason the channel can get into the situation that it does is because we have a very good reputation that, we're going to present people in a fair way. Uh, another thing we do is the criminal activity. Hey, we're going to send you a copy of the video before it's posted. So you can tell me, hey, blur your face out. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a street sign visible. We'll take that out. So like I'm, we're, we're prepping to send a video to a, a, I don't want to say a leader, a guy that's in charge of gangster disciples out in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, which is one of the most infamous gangs in America. And 
the reason we're cool and we can do that is because I'm not going to put anything in there. Like if, if, if he tells me, Hey, you know, from six minutes to six minutes, 20 seconds, one of the guys in my squad says something really incriminating. We got to take that out. I'll take it out. Cause I'm, I'm not trying to get any, if they're going to trust me enough to let me film their life and film, film things that could potentially send them away for 10 years, 20 years. I'm going to respect my contact and, if they're going to get caught doing it, it's going to be from their own steam or their own actions, not from anything I do. Mm. Dude, I wonder how many people you could have sent to jail. That's that one thing, so like, like, I'll get occasionally like, oh, Tommy G, a fed. Like, guys that are probably are on their fourth blunt and watching my video, like, some guys would be like, think that I'm secretly a federal agent. But could you imagine the cover of, like... Doing prank vid- doing rap first for two or three years, doing prank videos for four years, mm. and now I'm getting into documentaries. Can you imagine the investment from the federal government of like, I'm, they're going to put me on the payroll for six or seven <laughs> years before I actually start making any busts? You know, that's funny. Do do people reach out to you so they can like get cred? I just had a guy. We put out Porous County in America last night. Just had a kid reach out from the Appalachian area of Tennessee, being like. I'm going to take you on a hillbilly adventure. I can show you the crackheads. I can take you mud and I can take you shoot and I can take you to a demolition derby. So we, we thrive off of inbound leads off of people watching a video and thinking, Hmm, I want to be on this channel. I want to share my story. I want to take them to my community. And so, and we're constantly looking for leads. Like there are certain groups that are very hard to get into. We want Amish people, they're very hard. I mean, you can't even, you have to yeah. send them a telegram or some shit, you know, like <laughs> yeah, a carrier pigeon. So Someone's it's got to ride on horseback. Exactly. So if any of you guys want to go horseback riding and connect with some Amish people, that'd be helpful. I've been trying for years to try and get in touch with the KKK. They're obviously a <laughs> well, very... Crosby's right here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, so, or Hell's Angels or any motorcycle mm. clubs, those guys are hard to get into. But our channel survives off of people saying... We see what you do, we like what you do, and we want you to come to our city. That's so sick. I want to talk some numbers with you. Yes. How well is your merch selling? Like, is that just going crazy for you? Or how is your um, kind of your like money income split between ad revenue, sponsorships, payroll? I can give you percentages. Yeah, percentages. Um, I would say I just got signed with a, uh, the group that manages uh, Mr. Beast, so Night Media, and now my sponsorships are like, holy, like they just sent me the numbers of what they think I can get per video. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, are you guys serious? You know? Um, but I would say in monthly revenue, let's say about 55 to 60% is ad revenue. I would say about 10% is merch. I would say about 10 to 15% is uh, sponsorship, but now after the jump that it's going to be doing, it looks like we can be doing maybe 30 or 40% of our monthly income off of sponsorships, um, like two or 3%. Actually, I'm going to give, if I give two specifics, it's going to be, we're going to, people are going to be able to figure it out. So I'll just say this, um, as you're growing a business, it's very important to have a lot of streams of income. Cause for example, there was a time where we got almost no ad revenue from YouTube and I almost got banned from YouTube because of the content. So like, I didn't rely on any money from ad revenue coming in. So it's like, okay, what are my other pockets that I can bring money in? And like, it took, things happened exponentially. I was making almost no money on YouTube for four years straight. 
Mm-hmm. I lost money on YouTube for four years straight. And then we started hitting these different waves where it was just like, oh, like you hit, you hit a number like, okay, now I'm, now I'm making as much as I was at my day job. Whoa, now I'm making, I, things can grow very fast. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but I think the big thing is never chase something for the money. I never got into this because I didn't even think what some of the numbers we can make were, were possible. Like I didn't even know that that was a thing you could do. I just said, I know that I hate my corporate job and I know what I love to do. I've always been fascinated with vice media and, and journalists that go into the crazy situations. If I can just do that and survive and pay my mortgage, pay my rent, pay for groceries, I'm set. And then when you chase something for the passion of it, there's a weird thing that happens where the money does follow. Mm. So, and I, and I also think like probably a lot of your viewers are in the young, younger sure. range, right? This is the time of your life to chase something. When you are old and laying on your hospital bed, looking back on your life, you're going to want to have taken the risk on yourself. The worst that can happen right now is that you, okay, I go back and I get another job or I go back to the, a sales job. But the best that can happen is all these doors start opening up. And just like what you're doing in the, in, in the wrestling world, like you're talking to Olympic gold medalists, you're talking to UFC fighters, you're talking to all these interesting people mm-hmm. because you took the gamble on yourself. And so I just encourage people, it might take getting fired, but try and do it before it takes getting fired. And it's okay to do this with a side income. Like producing these types of things takes money to to buy the camera equipment, to book the flights, to book the Airbnbs, all of it's going to take money. So I'm not saying if you're bringing in zero dollars from your, your side hustle and you're, you have a steady job that's giving you a couple grand a month, do both as long as you can until you can make the jump. Because it's if you jump with zero income, all of a sudden you're going to be sleeping on a couch or asking your mom for money. You don't want to be in that position. So balance is much, doing as much as you can to be stable. And then once it becomes clear that you should make the jump, have the courage to do it. Gee, that's so motivating, Tommy. I'm fired <laughs> up. Let's go. Where do you see and I where do you see this going for what you're doing? Like what is your dream? Well, I'll tell you what, I have two more years of competing left. And throughout YouTube, you know, everything that's been going was my journey, whether that be, you know, the duels, the practices to the tournaments, and my whole run through the championship, whether that be state and NCAAs. Mm-hmm. It's weird because every time in the summer, every year has, of course, my views just go down because that's the part where wrestling, no one's searching it up on YouTube. But mm-hmm. once that season hits, I got like four months to like really go, go, go. Yeah. And I think it would be a perfect story, of course, if I end up winning NCAAs, especially yeah. especially ending out on top, right? Like yeah. that's like ideal. And I think that, you know, it, it, I'm not necessarily working a job, like I'm doing YouTube and I'm going around with other wrestlers. So, I don't see myself getting worse at wrestling because of that. So I can only get way better. And I, I, you know, I really see myself winning there. And then from there, just continuing to make videos just with different people around wrestling, whether that be creating literally the best wrestling course or however that may go. But I I do want to stay in the wrestling world as much as I can. I got a couple of videos or uh, ideas to pitch you. And I'm curious if this is interesting. Yeah, let's hear it. So I could see you kind of being the Anthony Bourdain of combat sports. Hey, I'm going to turkey to do judo with the world champion for a week mm. or hey i'm training jujitsu in brazil for a week i think and then it can also branch off into 
I'm in this UFC fighters fight camp for like you, you can oh, position yeah. it all you want, but like 24 hours with Khabib or, um, but I think like, I think wrestling is a real, like I, one of my favorite things on earth is the sport of wrestling for, for a creator. It is a limited, um, it's a, it's a tight, yeah. it's like a stepping stone. Something well, and it's a diehard audience, but it's not. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you could also parlay into working for a flow wrestling or helping them shoot content. I don't know where sure. it can go, but I think if you uh, if you can broaden it to combat sports, and that opens yeah. up to UFC fighters, Olympic gold medalists, judo guys. Is that yeah. an idea? No, that yeah, interests and then, you? that since you know filming the podcast, of course, you know we got invited out to actually Las Vegas for the jujitsu event. So RBY uh, was competing there in uh, in his judo match and or jujitsu match, and it was really cool to see that. Definitely, I think wrestling is way more uh, fun to watch. But yeah. I mean, when you're seeing like Gordon Ryan, Nikki Rodriguez there, and you know that's how we got Forrest Griffin on the podcast. And eventually, I do want to have more of the idea of making making more of the videos, not just necessarily just the conversations, but that we can go like live a day in their life, get a work out in just kind of do more of that and then from the combat sports where you can also go to like training stick fighting with the maasai tribe tribe of africa or wow. you know like sure. or or could you train with navy seals could yeah. you train at a special force like going with the norwegian special forces like i'm just throwing okay i, I how do you what's the best way to contact for you is it email to get these people you think i would say dming and email um, you have a good following on Instagram. So like instantly that has a level of credibility. Mm-hmm. Also, your page is really friendly. Like it's not, mm-hmm. no one looks at your page and thinks, oh crap, this guy might be a risk to work with. Like they look at sure. my page. Um, but I would say hitting him on multiple angles, yeah. email, DM. And cause I think like part of what a wrestler does and where you can take the wrestler mindset, wherever you go is pushing yourself to the absolute limit, seeing what's possible as a human being and, and then there's so many different arenas that you can let that play out. Could you go to Japan or and do sumo wrestling? Mm. Like where where could it all go? You right. Know? That's a good point. Gotta start pulling some views. The thing is, all this stuff is uh like your journey will like what you think is gonna be the journey, you might hit a pivot. Like I thought I was sure. gonna become a internet known prankster. It just didn't mm. pan out. And then I made the pivot. And as soon as I made that pivot to documentaries, instantly things just started to take off. And so I think like what an entrepreneur does, because you are a content entrepreneur, is the model you're doing, if it if there's something about it that needs to tweak, you're in an experimental phase where you don't have like you're not locked into anything right now. Mm-hmm. You're a young guy, you can do anything you want. And you might find, wow, when I started going to wrestler goes to jujitsu gyms, all of a sudden that takes off as yeah. that as a series. Or I just saw a jujitsu guy do um like try and choke me out for five hundred dollars and he's on a beach letting random strangers yeah. come up to him. Like there's all, there's so many different things and lanes you can go that I think it's an exciting world to be a content creator. And you already have a crazy following. If you sure. think about where you are compared to what mo- where most people on earth are with their following and content, like a lot of people would shoot their brother to be in your <laughs> shoes. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. That, a little that, extreme, <laughs> but. That, that is so crazy thing. And at the end of the day, it only takes one just to flip and being like, okay, I do want to do this. Like, this is proof of concept. So, and also it just takes one to get the credibility. Like mm. if I do one, I'm going to reach out to Gordon Ryan to do a day in the life of the world's best jujitsu athlete, just one video with him. And then 
who else in the jujitsu branch is open? Who else in the UFC branch will take me more seriously? Because I get it. If you're a UFC guy, if I reach out to Kobe Covington and I'm like, hey, I want to do a day in your life. He looks at my channel and he sees, you know, a bunch of dudes pointing guns at the camera. Is he going to be excited about shooting with me? I don't know. But as soon as you get that portfolio piece, now all of a sudden the tree branch and their connections too. Like, who does Gordon Ryan know that now the next video I can do it with this guy or that guy? Yeah, he's just with Aquaman. Yeah, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Man. Dopa time? Yeah. Is that over here? Yeah. We're going to bust a few workout yeah. moves? Yeah, so have, have, you, have you ever heard about the Dopaminio bands? I've seen it on your page and I've been intrigued. Have you ever, have you ever used them? Um... I haven't actually. Would you like to show me some? Yeah, we actually have a challenge for you. Okay. Ooh, okay. Actually, should I get up? It's in my it's in my room. Sorry, guys. New setup. You got one. Should I get up? I'm like, no, feet? no, you're, you're right warmed there. Warmed up. You're good right there. Okay. Unless I mean, if you can't stand up, if you want. Are we gonna do the one challenge? Oh shoot! Wait. What is it? 15 seconds. Oh yeah. So we. I don't have... know if I can last 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so the challenge is. So we had real woods on last. You know, real woods from Iowa wrestler, and he supposedly got 50. In so 15 in seconds. In 15 seconds. Doing you, this? So you can have it just, just loose like that, and you have to hit your chest to it. Okay, I'm going to stand up for this. Sure. That, I'll, I'll will I be out of the camera if I stand uh, up? I just took a dose of steroids. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so hit, i got to hit my chest every time. Yeah. 15, 15 yeah. seconds? That guy is fast. Alright. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Five, four, three, two, one. I hope you guys are counting that. I didn't count. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you can watch the instant replay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a replay. I would say between 1,000 and 2,000. <laughs> I don't know if you beat Real Woods. No, but I don't think, I don't either think way, I did. we do have a full-sized or a, a dopamine gift bag for you. Oh, wow. So you'll have a, you'll I have can't a, wait to bring this home and show the wife. Yeah. <laughs> You got a full-size band in there and then a, a yellow stretch band. This would be good for travel, too. Like, you can't sure. carry dumbbells with you on an airplane. But oh, yeah. You can take one of these, and then if someone tries hijacking the plane, that's great. Point. You know what I mean? And they don't break either. Try to break it, too. They won't break. What is this made out of? Spider-Man's semen or what? <laughs> yeah, so super, that's super cool. So thank you, Dopaminio, for that. Thank you, Dopamino. Yes, sir. And we actually I already have, look, my arms are already starting to get a little bit of Yeah. Pump. You're looking jacked. And we do have one more thing for you. Every guest on the podcast get a custom-made Clash of Combat plaque. Whoa. So you're number 24. Whoa. So you can put that up on the mantle or something yeah. right above the fireplace. Oh, yeah. I'm going to probably put this in the master bedroom, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, you have any last words for the podcast? My last words are this. Life is a grand old journey and you really can be whatever you want to be. I know it sounds cliche and, and, and woo-woo, but it really is, uh, it's one giant game and we only have a small amount of time to play it. And so my advice is chase what you think you are put on this earth to do and go through a lot of experimentation because not everyone wakes up like Muhammad Ali or Conor McGregor and knows that they're going to be a boxer or a fighter. It's going to take a lot of trying a lot of things too. But you only get one opportunity and the older you get, I'm already at this point where it's just like, holy shit, like it's already end of summer. Like this year has gone by. I don't even remember a year ago. So I think it starts to go faster and faster the older you get. 
So as a young person, this is the time to go after it, chase it, and enjoy it. So thank you guys for having me. This has been a Clash of Combat special, <laughs> and we'll see you guys next episode. <laughs> Boom. Awesome.